Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coach's Corner. I have my favorite guest back with me today. And you're, <laughs> you're just forced to say that. <laughs> what do you mean? No one's forcing me. Well, you didn't tell me before we started that no, I had to say I that. I didn't, but it's like, if you don't say it... <laughs> Then what? <laughs> then I don't. Then know. I like other people better than you. Maybe you well, just jumped into this podcast so quickly. I'm still. Like, well, what do you? What do you want? No How much foreplay do you want? <laughs> More than this, you just press. You press a button and boom, you're uh, in. Well, come on. We've been. You've done this before, ain't your first rodeo? Do you remember the first podcast we did in London? It, no, we we yeah. were in Estonia. We were in Estonia. Our first podcast. Yeah, we we're in that little hotel room in Estonia. I thought we were in London when we. No, did we were in Estonia. I remember we were. Sitting oh, in that the was corner. in Estonia. Yes, yes, yep, right. Yep. Yeah. So I thought it was yeah. London. And it was a big deal because I was like, I better last with this guy because I'm <laughs> exposing him to my entire podcast community, yeah, which no, is sacred to me. I remember, and I was in the middle of a, a reclaim your kingdom launch right. as well. Why? Um, mm. Yeah, that was fun. I thought that was London. No. Huh. Whose memory are we going to go with on this one? That's not fair. Better mine. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> I take I take medicinal mushrooms. Oh, <laughs> what do you take? No, you, not medicinal. You take adaptogenic <laughs> mushrooms. See, <laughs> point medicinal. Proven. It's medicinal. That makes, but that those are the trippy ones. Adaptogenic are the ones you take every day. Medicinal mushrooms are the trippy ones. The hallucinogenic. The ones. hallucinogenic. The psychotropic ones. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, and and All medicinal right. mushrooms. All right, fine. He takes medicinal <laughs> mushrooms. But just to be clear. <laughs> London. Estonia. <laughs> remember that little corner of the room? I remember that was, was London, though. No, it was Estonia. Our room in London we was We spoke different. to your parents after. That was Estonia. We spoke to your parents no, no, in no, Estonia? No, 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 no. No, that was London when yeah, we spoke to my parents. Right. But we recorded the podcast in Estonia. I promise you. It was in that little corner of the room. You could be right. Yeah, I know I'm right. <laughs> I know I'm right. I can look back on the day that it was, and I promise you I am. Um, anyway, we can talk about that later. So we're back. Just to be clear, Steph doesn't take psychotropic <laughs> mushrooms every day, um, but he does love his adaptogens, and we love things that optimize our health. One of the things mm. we love is Organifi products, don't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Drew's a really good bloke, as we would he say. He is in a Australia. good bloke. Yes, yes. So Organifi, you've heard me talk about Organifi before. We really love the green powder. When we travel, we just bring those packets of the green juice. And I love their immunity packets. I made you one of their yummy hot drinks the other yeah, night. So you, good. You, it's so delicious. So you can get your 20% off on all Organifi products if you go to Organifi.com slash over it and enter promo code over it and just fill up your basket with all kinds of goodies. They have their green, their red juice, their gold drink that's hot and delicious. Well, the you can turmeric. make it hot or cold. Yeah. The turmeric one, great for inflammation and all that kind of stuff. And you can really count on good, good sourced ingredients, all organic, all super great for you. And easy, so much easier to get your nutrients in when you have products like Organifi. That's, that's the most important thing, actually, like speaking to the mushrooms. it's You can get organic mushrooms and the mushroom powders and depending on where they're grown and what's in the atmosphere, it may not be, you know, acutely in the atmosphere, it may not be right. healthy. What I like about Organifi is the sourcing piece. That's yeah, that's exactly. the most important part. It is. So, again, Organifi.com slash over it, 20% off all your products. And speaking of their products, I'm actually drinking my smoothie as we speak. You might hear me take a few sips of it because I'm really hungry and it's got the Organifi green juice in it. So mm. I'm good. So we are here today because after popular demand, we've been asked over and over and over. One of the 
two of the most popular questions we get asked are, when are you going to do a workshop or retreat for relationships? And are you ever going to start a dating app for conscious people? (laughs) (laughs) Multiple times a week we get the the latter particularly. And and the first question as well. Yeah. So we're not delivering on the dating app quite yet, but we do have some ideas. We are going to host a relationship retreat, a virtual relationship retreat in June. Date's coming soon. You can get on the early bird interest list if you go to christinehassler.com slash relationship support. And we've decided, so we originally were going to do this relationship retreat just for couples, but then we had a couple people say, hey, I'm not in a relationship, but I really want to learn about how to be Mm -hmm. better in relationships. And we've also had people ask us, listen, I don't think I'm going to be able to drag my partner to this, but I'd like to learn. I'd like to come alone and maybe bring it into our relationship. So we're going to welcome people to come on their own, and we're going to welcome couples. And the workshop will be structured so that there will be exercises couples can do with each other. And for people that aren't there with a partner, we'll have special exercises for you as well. But just to be clear, though, the focus of our virtual relationship retreat is on relationship. Once you're in a relationship, how do you have a healthy relationship? How do you have a passionate relationship? How do you have a growth-based relationship? Mm. How to have sacred union if you really want that? To be clear, again, it's not for calling in a relationship. That's our Be the Queen and soon to becoming Be the King programs. So this is straight up in relationship advice. And I know when I was single, I really loved learning about relationships because I knew so much more going into our relationship now. So just because you're not in a relationship doesn't mean that you can't join us. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I have a feeling it's... You know, you know how when we do the inner child workshop, mm-hmm. the, the the vibe in terms of the intimacy shared and the depth of exploration gone in, in you know two and a half days is going to is going to be really profound. It's going to be amazing, <clears throat> and I know so many couples that just slog away in therapy week yeah. after week or month after month, and they just really don't get anywhere. And and this is not again, I don't. This is not a dig on therapy. I totally respect therapists. And there's so much good that can come out of therapy. However, when you throw yourself in an immersive event, that's not just an hour a week or a couple hours a month, you're going to have much more accelerated growth. And we're going to give you a lot of tools. You're going to watch us coach other couples or other people. And that's such a great way to learn. So again, we're getting the website up, but there's going to be an early bird discount. If you go to christinehassler.com slash relationship support, you'll be the first to know and you'll be able to grab that that early bird discount. So today we thought, well, you haven't been on the show in a while, have you? Can't Considering remember. I'm your favorite <laughs> guests. <laughs> well, I didn't have anyone for this week. So I'm like, hey, can you can you come be on the podcast? Uh, <laughs> you're, you're handy. You live here. <laughs> no. Uh, you'll, adjust, you'll adjust your schedule for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, you had to adjust your schedule no, for I, me. I, yeah, that's what, I, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. But you Judy. are my favorite cat. I know that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the first things we thought we'd talk about, because we coach couples, Steph actually coaches more couples than me right now. As some of the most common struggles we see in relationship and see if you relate to any of these and we'll give you a couple tips for how to navigate some of these conflicts. So what's one of the most common things you see couples deal with? One of the most common things, and and honestly, there are many, uh, hence why relationships can be so difficult and so challenging, particularly if you don't have the tools and the understanding and the willingness to actually navigate through them. 
one of the biggest challenges that couples face is expressing their truth within the dynamic or within the their own relationship container because they fear what the other person is going to say, how they're going to react, mm-hmm. are they going to reject that truth. And so they keep the truth in. Mm-hmm. They don't express it. They harbor resentment and anger and then it blows up. It's like it's inevitable. It's a ticking time bomb that has no fuse to unplug for it to go off. It has to go off. Yep. And it comes from both both places. And until they realize that, until attention and light is shun on the on those dark places within that they're harboring there's all these nuances and all the minutiae how they interact it closes off Mm. they feel less safe because they're less open and through the neuroception of the other person how their nervous system perceives their environment they're picking up on that and informing the interoception how Mm. what we feel inside something doesn't feel right but we don't know what it is but we can't really lean in because we don't feel safe enough and it creates this wave this this domino effect that is so negative in the relationship use a lot of big neuroscience words there that was hot babe that's cool (laughs) maybe no i'm not sorry then (laughs) (laughs) but too so what i hear you saying i just i just did perception checking which we'll talk about in a moment (laughs) is that couples have a hard time actually speaking from their heart saying what's true sometimes the most vulnerable thing because they don't want to perhaps piss off their partner, which is going to create an explosion, a conflict. I think we have a lot of conflict avoiders, a lot of people pleasers who are listening. I raise my hand to that at times. It's like, let's just uh, not say anything and swallow my feelings. And then a month later, two months later, I'm harboring so much resistance. Everything you're doing is annoying me. I don't want to you know, be, be close. And then it, it either leaks out in a fight or just leaks out in creating distance. So- there's, there's that, just like I, I'm so afraid of a conflict, so I'm going to hold it in. And then there's I'm so afraid what you're going to think of me, so I'm going to hold it in. Or I'm, I'm so afraid that it won't maybe create an argument, but that you'll make fun of me or not, not you, stuff. I'm just talking like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that all, you know, and then there's also the fear of loss. Like how truthful can I really be? And there's also the, and, and this isn't so much a fear. It's also, I just don't want to be in conflict. So I'm going mm-hmm. to keep it to myself. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much a fear. It's more, I just don't want to fight. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to keep it to myself. Right. So you don't I'm even avoiding, have to be a people pleaser. You no, just, just, avoid, just don't want to bother. Yeah. And, and, there's, and it's not an issue. It's not so much. And I can put my hand up to this. I am not shy of conflict personally. You're not. But, but, but sometimes I just, it's, I cannot be bothered arguing because I'm already perceiving this conversation to go a particular way. And so there's no, you, I'm not allowing room or space for possibility. I'm having a narrow minded mm. perception of where this conversation is going to go. And I'm already deciding without giving you a chance that I'm not going to have this conversation. I'm just going to harbor it and keep it inside. And so that creates obviously distance, yep. argument, separation, not necessarily get separated, but just a separation in the intimacy. The and isolation. Closeness. Isolation, yep. Feeling of aloneness, not being a team. And that's, then – That's another big thing. We'll get to that after. Well, and I imagine if you're harboring that and you're not speaking your truth, then you just start collecting evidence yep. on your partner for everything that agrees with your story of what they're doing Confirmation wrong. bias. Yep, Exactly. So I'm sure people listening can relate to this. And hey, this isn't just in romantic relationships. This is just relationships in general. Every uh, colleague-based relationships, friendships, family, family, familial relationships, big time. It's yeah. just it's how we operate to keep ourselves 
safe. These coping strategies that we develop um, as young as young people uh, during our developmental years, re- and, and how we form those coping strategies, and you know, you you often speak to the comp- compensatory strategies. Yeah. They shape who we are as adults. Yeah. So what's our way out of this? And obviously, this will be something we dig deeper into yeah. in the retreat. But some tips. Well, before we get there, so I think it's also important to understand that we attract these relationships. We don't want to hate these types of relationships. We don't want to make them wrong. I think this happens in every relationship yeah. to some degree. And we attract them in order to have a redo and heal. Right. This part of ourselves that maybe is not immersed in the world as it could be. Mm-hmm. And so the number one, not, not number one, but one very important tip is obviously self-awareness. So asking self some really important questions. Mm-hmm. For example, am I completely happy in my relationship? Is this relationship playing out the way I would want it to play out? Mm-hmm. So just asking questions, self-analysis of where the relationship is. And then immediately from there, if it's less than satisfactory, mm-hmm. I mean, if you really, if it's less than happy, you're seeking help. Yeah. You're seeking assistance, whether you call it mediation, a therapist, a counsellor, a coach, a spiritual healer, someone that can bring a perspective outside of your own. I think yeah. that's very, very important. That doesn't have to be the immediate go-to, but we know in our relationship when we have people that yeah. are helping us, we do a lot better. Right. Oh, absolutely. We do. And we're committed to that, you know, and and we've tried a couple different people and probably will continue to. Of course to learn different things from different and it's it's we've learned that it's much better for us to pursue help or support when we're not in crisis. Yeah, that's the optimal time to do it because then you're not coming from a place of scarcity or immense intense fear, you know, physiological fear and psychological emotional fear. Because when you come to any kind of coaching or therapy and you're already really having a hard time, there's so much defensiveness that comes up. And so much of the coaching and therapy requires breaking through that, well, like we, even we, we being open. Be right. we, yeah. be, we don't want to. We don't totally. want to feel our shame. Totally. So we want to project that onto someone else, so we don't feel it within ourselves. Right. We want to be heard. We want the whoever the therapist or coach, whoever that is, that person to like see our side. And so that's why we suggest so much that that all couples have some kind of support system. Even if it's just once a quarter, just something, something. But anyway, back to to speaking up. So what I've learned in working with people and just in in relationships is that when we hold our truth in, it definitely becomes toxic in one way or another. Either we're going to lash out down the road or we're literally going to make ourselves sick because not speaking up, swallowing our emotions, holding all that inside is not good for us physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. So the key for me, and again, when I work with clients or in my own life, is learning how to speak truth in a way that is less triggering for us and possibly the other person. However, we can't be overly concerned with how the other person is going to react. So I have found truth with vulnerability in our relationship works really well. I will often come to Steph and say, hey, I'm actually quite nervous to talk to you about this. I'm I'm scared you're going to get mad. Uh, And I own it. I own it from the beginning. I've got something to express to you, and I'm really scared you're going to get upset, and I'm really nervous. And when I come to you like that, what does that do inside of you? 
softens me immediately. I feel compassion and empathy for you. I want to be involved in what you're about to tell me. I want to be able to help and hold space and hear you and understand you and, and basically meet all your human needs, but also uh, it, it really piques my curiosity as well. So that, that peaking of curiosity, A, allows my nervous system to relax because I'm curious now at something that's outside of myself. Right. And B, it places me in a more explorative state. Like right. I'm, I'm very, oh, I'm interested now. I'm right. really interested in you and what, what, what's coming up for you. Right. So I want to use the picture of a truth sandwich. <clears throat> so I want you to imagine that you have a sandwich in your hand. And imagine the difference between throwing the sandwich at someone's face when they don't expect it or coming up to them with the sandwich on the tray and say, hey, I've got the sandwich for you. Like, are you available to eat it right now? I'd much rather have a sandwich delivered to me on a tray than thrown in my face. <laughs> so the first, I, I'm going to go on with the sandwich analogy, but the first part of it is when speaking truth, when we just blurt it out, that's actually not what we're saying. Like blurting it out when the person doesn't expect it is mostly going to come off as an accusation and it's going to be harder for that other person to hear. Yeah, and I have a I have a pre-tool or a precursor to this as well that may be very useful. You know, often when you're at work and someone angers you, maybe it's someone in the management hierarchy and you're about to write an email and you're about to let them have it and someone will say to you, hey, that was my say two things, just sit on it for 24 hours or why don't you write the email out and then sit on it for 24 hours and then reread it again, like that type of scenario. So if you're, ha- if you're one of those people that has trouble expressing your truth, why don't you write that out? Mm-hmm. Maybe write it out a couple of times yeah. or maybe type it out, but preferably write it out. And then come back to it a few hours later, depending on your you know your time span with this, or the next day, sleep on it if you can, reread it, maybe rewrite it, and just have some practice with respect to what is it that I really want to say, and then visualize mm-hmm. yourself saying it and what the outcome ideally looks like for you with your partner or with the person that you have to have this conversation with. Mm-hmm. That can help um, soften, A, expectations, and B, any nervousness that you may have around actually expressing this truth. It takes off some of the charge too. Big because time. when we come charged, it's like throwing that sandwich at someone. Yeah. And the other part of my brilliant example here, metaphor, <laughs> analogy, whatever, is with a truth sandwich, like you want to think of the meat of what you're saying, or if you're vegetarian, the avocado of what you're saying is the essence. Like what that's if you're the- a breatharian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you're a breatharian, you have probably bigger issues than delivering truth to or, your partner. Or maybe, or maybe, maybe you don't. Maybe you are actually exactly you're the most enlightened person on the. Then planet. you probably aren't in relationship because there's nothing else to learn. <laughs> yeah, so, potentially. Anyway, if there is any breatharians out there, please let me know. I'd be super I'm curious as to what that is like. Very fascinated by breatharians. Anyway, so back to my truth sandwich here. The the meat or the middle part is the truth. That's the meaty part. That's the the part that really matters in terms of what you want to express. And the bread on each side, it can be gluten-free bread. It can be lettuce wrap, like whatever. You know, we have all kinds of dietary. You're being so politically correct today. Oh, isn't that lovely? (laughs) No, I'm being sensitive to people's dietary needs. They got to get the right visual in the head. Yes. Anyway, that's that's where you give words of validation, say everything you do appreciate. Lettuce wraps. I I said lettuce. You weren't listening. Sorry. You aren't listening to me. (laughs) Clearly I wasn't. I didn't hear the lettuce. (laughs) No. So the the lettuce or the bread is the validation, is the here's everything that I do appreciate. Here's the the shifts that you have made that I do acknowledge. Not but, and 
this is what I want to express in terms of my truth, and then end it with some more bread in terms of just thank you for listening, just thank you for being present. Why are you looking at me? Because we call that in Australia a shit sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) I know what the fuck are you on about? Like, yeah, you're just basically telling someone how great they are, then tell them how shit they are, then tell them how great they are to make them feel a bit better. I love how you say we call that in Australia a shit sandwich. Like, we don't say that here. You think all these sayings are like, oh, we say this in Australia. Uh, Where do you think Australia got most of its sayings from? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. No, I'm completely joking what you're saying actually from from a social psychology perspective is is really powerful it is it is and it's not like it's not like the middle part is shit it's your truth it's your truth a shit sandwich is when you know you just got your car washed and a big truck goes by and splashes water all over it or something like that like oh man i just got a shit sandwich when your luck doesn't go your way yeah and the contrast to that as well is intention here so i know you know we're laughing and making fun of this and the, the shit sandwich component is when you you really are just going in and please, this is a very important distinction. When you're going into a conversation and you have no intention of really delivering your, I mean, you do want to deliver your truth, but you have no intention of being amicable and coming to a healthy resolution, but rather you're just trying to manipulate and disguise your anger and aggression, your emotional charge right. with some niceties on either end. And that is not healthy in relationship because the person on the other end is going to pick up on that. Irrespective of what they've done, how you deliver what your truth is actually really matters. Yeah. And it can be it can be very challenging to speak our truth yeah. because as kids, that often wasn't encouraged. And when we did express ourselves, we got everything from being hit to being punished, to be told we're too much, to being told to be quiet, to mm. being judged, to be ridiculed. Be seen, not heard. Yeah. And so we have a lot of hangups over speaking what's true. And also, we have to be discerning about what is a judgment of the other person and what really is truth. Mm. So oftentimes in relationship, we will just be judging the other person. Like for example, let's say that you grew up with a father who was a bit of a womanizer, wasn't really faithful. You're most likely, unless you've really worked through trust issues, if you've really worked with your anger at men, you're most likely going to project some of that mistrust on your partner. If you end up with a man, you're probably going to project some of that. And so there's a distinction between, well, my truth is I can't trust you. And my truth is, you know, you have to call me every five minutes. You have to let me see your phone. That's, that's not really truth. That's trigger. Mm. So distinguishing between, okay, what's a trigger? What's really my work? Truth and trigger, yeah. Yeah, and what do I really know? What, what do I really need to own versus like what is a truth? So let's come back to that same situation and let's say that you're in that that relationship and your partner gets home and you find out he had lunch with a female friend that you've never heard of and never met. Okay, that's going to be triggering because some trust issues are going to come up, but there's also some truth in there. So a truth statement may be, you know, I'm, you know, you deliver the bread and then I'm so thank you for telling me you went to lunch with this friend and I have to be honest, it really triggered me. It brought up some fear. It brought up some jealousy. And it hurt that you told me after the fact. I felt like you asked for forgiveness, not permission. And it felt kind of like you were hiding something from me. And I'm, I just, I was hurt that that's something you weren't just honest with me from the beginning. 
So is that a good example between truth and trigger? It's a great example. And and also, you know, as, as you're speaking, I'm thinking about trigger. And, and trigger is still truth. But mm-hmm. the truth that we're speaking about is that truth is coming from a place within yourself or an intention within yourself to um, create resolution and healing within you and within the relationship. You're wanting to elevate and amplify the relationship. That's the truth that we're speaking about. So you're using your trigger not as an opportunity to vent, right. not as an opportunity to release, but you're using your trigger as an opportunity to grow. And to to own your end. Yes. And then present what is is difficult for you or what felt like hurt, hurt you to the other person. Yeah. Because in relationships, especially romantic relationships. And, you know, I've probably said before, like, people can't hurt you. They do what they do and we end up hurt. But, like, sometimes we just get hurt. And it's just hard. It's really, really hard to avoid that. And in romantic relationships, our heart's on the line. There's more at stake. And so, and it triggers all our inner child stuff. So it can be like a minefield sometimes. Mm. And when we don't, when we get in the bad habit of suppressing our truth, then it the, the holes that we dig and the resentments that we build just get deeper and bigger. And also the way we see our partners shifts and changes, we see them with less curiosity mm-hmm. and more doubt mm-hmm. um, and more mistrust. Mm-hmm. And we see them through the lens of, I, I can't believe what you're saying. And right. we're going to be, like you said earlier, collecting evidence, looking for them to make mistakes or mistreat us to prove to ourselves that they can't be trusted to help keep us safe. Yes. And that's not the cycle we want to get into. Right. And in the relationship retreat, we'll take you through some exercises to help you move through your triggers so that you can speak your truth, so that you have vulnerability, so you have intimacy in the relationship, and so you can really hear each other. Because in a relationship, you have to be willing to change and adapt to what your partner needs. Like we tend to love another the way we want to be loved, Mm. not the way they necessarily want to be loved. And we tend to give what we need the most, not necessarily what the other person needs the most. So whenever we're in relationship, we've got our relationship with ourself and our relationship with our inner child that in a lot of ways has to be the priority. Otherwise, we're just going to project all our unmet needs on our partner mm. and end up with a lot of triggers and a lot of projection. And the partner is going to feel that. And no one person can be your everything. And you know this. We're just reminding you of this. But the more that you are your everything to yourself and you are meeting your needs, the less you're going to expect from your partner and the more they're going to be called forward to really show up in a way that best actually best meets your needs because you're not coming at it with lots of needs and expectations. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's really well said. And then what happens is that truth that you're expressing can actually be received by your partner in such a way that they're receptive and they become willing to look at their role in the relationship. Now you've got two people taking ownership for their actions, their thoughts, their beliefs, everything that they contribute to the relationship. They're mm-hmm. 100% of their 50% of the relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's not that's less of uh, an ideology per se and more like a, a harder truth, right? You have to, we don't have to, but you can only be responsible for yourself in the relationship. And if there's two people, 
that make that whole or make that or rather, you know, two holes that make the third entity, that create the third entity being the relationship, you come to that relationship whole and you come whole by being responsible for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another topic that comes up so much in relationship is polarity. Mm. And this this can happen in any kind of relationship. We see it so often in heterosexual relationships, but it can come up in same-sex relationships as well because there still needs to be a polarity. And masculine feminine dynamics is such a rich issue and something we love talking about. And you've heard us on past podcasts talk about how we bumped up against that in the beginning of our relationship and still do at times, but I would say the polarity for the most part is pretty balanced. We're going to actually be doing... Sorry, balanced according to our... Um, quote unquote natural essences and yeah. where, where we are most comfortable in operating and being and expressing in the world. Right. Yes. Right. Because I, you know, just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I'm most comfortable in the feminine essence. However, generally speaking, that tends to be the case, but not always. You can be in a female body and feel more of a masculine essence as your natural essence yes. and, and vice versa. Uh, but this masculine-feminine polarity, we'll talk a little bit about it now. We're actually doing a special 90-minute group event that's only going to be 20 bucks on April 22nd where we talk more about masculine-feminine dynamics, bring people on to coach. It'll be similar to my normal group coaching. It'll be similar to my monthly group coaching, um, but this is going to be a special one with Steph and I. And if you, again, if you want to know about that and make sure you get on the email list for that, just again, go to christinehassler.com slash relationship support, and we'll be sure to email you about the April 22nd event. We want to touch on it now. So I know this comes up in a lot of couples we work with together is the woman is craving to get out of her masculine and be more in her feminine. And the male is craving the woman to get out of her masculine and be more in her feminine. Mm. And they're in this standoff because he's wanting her to be more feminine and she's wanting to be more masculine. And so both of their, I would say, kind of unhealthy masculines are up and that's what ends up kind of killing the polarity and creating the standoff. Very much so. And often I'll get this question from women and men. Mm -hmm. So when it comes from women, it's how do I get my man to be um, more in his feminine? And they'll ask that. And what they're really asking is how do I get my man to, in that particular situation, to not be in their unhealthy masculine, which Mm -hmm. is uh, very related to what you just said now. Or a man will come to me and say, how do I get, how can I be more in my feminine? Mm -hmm. And what he's really asking or saying is, I've been told I need to be in my quote unquote feminine. I have no fucking idea what that means, but I guess I should do it. What is it? What, how do Mm -hmm. I do that? And what he's really asking is, how do I not be in my unhealthy or wounded masculine, right? right? And how do I be more emotionally available and vulnerable? Yeah, because the, the wounded masculine can take two parts. It can be an extroverted part or an introverted part and won't go too much into the details of that, but it can either be very hyper-aggressive and oppressive and subjugating, controlling and forceful. Dismissive. Or dismissive or can be very, very withdrawn in the world. And all of that as well, I get very excited about this. It's, it's linked to... Um, our neurology. It's linked to um, the way we deal with difficulty and challenge, whether we we move into a a fight or flight, like our sympathetic nervous system, the hormones release, whether it's noradrenaline or adrenaline. I'm not going to go too deep into it, I promise, but I just get very excited. We will, we will on the 22nd. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But what I say, what my response to that is, is 
immediately you're not asking the right question or the question that's best aligned for what you really want to experience. Mm -hmm. And what the right question is, is how do, and there's two ways to ask this. It's either this way. How do I develop and cultivate my healthy masculine at a deeper level or, or how do I develop and cultivate my core essence at a deeper level? And generally what will happen in that situation is the healthy masculine that needs to come out within that individual and that is their core essence, masculinity, in, the, in this example that we mm -hmm. gave. And when they work on cultivating aspects of their healthy masculine, the feminine piece naturally balances out exactly as it needs to in mm. that dynamic and within oneself. Mm -hmm. And so the work isn't on developing another aspect of ourselves. It's developing who we are or rather allowing that to resurface. So I call it the old, the old or the new old you. Mm -hmm. So in other words, it's uncovering who you've always been but removing the masks that you've had to wear to protect yourself in life. Right. I was talking to a client yesterday. I thought that was fairly profound and I don't feel I got the result or rather the- Oh my <laughs> God, that was so, I'm, I'm, I have to just take a pause because I'm so I felt you weren't impressed. This is because you hear me speak. Yes. <laughs> I thought you I'm so impressed. I'm just impressed. I'm sorry, babe. I'm so impressed. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm impressed with you. I wouldn't be with you if I wasn't impressed by um, you. I'm legitimately teasing, but maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Clearly someone needs a little more validation. You're so smart. That was so uh, good. I don't know about that. You are. You're totally so smart. See, I'm just getting Again. more validated. <laughs> you little manipulator. Um, so You're can I say what I was going to say yes. now or do you need more attention? No, definitely okay. not. All right. So a mutual client of ours was asking me how can she get more in her feminine? What books does she need to read? Who mm. does she need to study with? What does she need to do? And I said getting into our feminine and masculine energies – and discovering that divine feminine, divine masculine within us, it's it's a discovery process. It's a remembrance process. It's not necessarily a learning process because it's in us. It's really about awakening that essence inside of us. And a lot of people ask me, what book should I read on feminine energy and getting more into my feminine? And you know, the the two people that helped me the most understand these things were Alison Armstrong and David Data. You can Google any of their books. But more than anything, it was just being in my life and feeling into, okay, what feels feminine right now? What feels like it's more that essence? And what feels, if I exhale and I relax, what feels like my inspired response, not my protective habitual reaction? And so that was a really important way for me to learn how to deepen in my feminine essence is the difference between a reaction that usually comes from a trigger, that comes from conditioning, that comes from programming, that comes from wanting to keep myself quote unquote safe or look good or be validated versus what does my body want to do right now? What if I really tuned into my feelings, what would be my natural response? And that distinction between our reaction and our natural response is really key in moving back into our essence. Mm. You're missing something that you said, uh, and I don't want to say it. Well, I can say it, but I want you to say it because you, when we were talking about this yesterday, mm. I want you to share the piece about, and everything you said is amazing, and share the piece about being in relationship and cultivating feminine in relationship. 
Thank you for validating me. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> he's like, see, I do it better than you. <laughs> <laughs> You're fucking welcome. Bang. Badge of honor. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> what did I say? Oh, you don't remember? Oh, I can say it. Yeah, say it. Okay. So what you were essentially saying to our client was, yes, you can read the books. Mm. Yes, you can do all the things mm-hmm. outside of the relationship mm-hmm. and outside of yourself. Mm. However, you remember now? Oh, yeah, but that's all easier. Yes. Like it's way easier to get into your feminine essence reading a book or going to a woman's retreat or- It's less challenging, let's say. <clears throat> yeah, it's less challenging. Mm. It's more available. But where the rubber meets the road is in in the relationship. Mm. Can you drop into it there? Can you- let go of the urge to control or to make all the decisions or to judge or, or to- see him through a past lens. Yeah, as that's well. huge too. Because often that past lens come, goes as far back as childhood. Yeah. And we're seeing our partner, whoever that is, as mom or dad. Yeah. And because the way they're being and behaving in the world, it triggers or reminds your nervous system unconsciously mm-hmm. or even your own conscious mind of something that was either very traumatic or painful or difficult for you and then you're seeing them through the lens mm-hmm. of the past and you're unable to be um, curious about them. You're unable to feel safe in their presence. You're unable to drop into your feminine uh, as an example because you don't feel connected in that moment and you don't feel safe. Right, right. And safety is everything. Safety, safety is, everything. is the healing. And we will do things we will often choose that reactionary response. Like, let me put up a wall. Let me just fight. Let me judge. Let me pull away. Let me reject anything physical because that feels safe. But really the response, especially the feminine response to what feels safe is to speak our needs and ask for it, really ask for what we need. And that's one thing I've learned about the feminine energy in relationship. And again, this works for this isn't just in heterosexual relationships because they're in any relationship you want the polarity. So whoever's holding that more feminine pole, it's being aware of speaking our needs in a, in a vulnerable, not disempowering way. I think a lot of times, and I talked about this when we were on Aubrey's podcast, I think a lot of women, me Mm. included, thinks that feminine energy is weaker, that it's a demotion Mm. No. You know, masculine energy is better. Like even in a deck of cards, the king is better than the queen. That's de- that's definitely a fallacy that has been compounded over time. And I don't want to say, oh, I do want to say actually, it has been manipulated and distorted mm-hmm. over time. It's 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 very, it's so not true. And the reality is that the king is in reference to the queen at some level and can't exist in the capacity that he does and vice versa without that. Queen, right. and that's the that's the physical realm of duality we live in. Again, another conversation for another time. Yeah, if you, if you've noticed, the world is opposites. There's a North Pole and a South Pole. <laughs> there's East and the West. We have our right and left brain. The world exists in in duality, like you said. There's light and there's dark, and there's the the masculine and the feminine energies that express in in all of us. So that ability to go in and be vulnerable is actually very very powerful. Because then the feminine can say, I need this because it provides me with this. And what that does is it calls the masculine forward and goes, oh, this isn't a judgment. This isn't a criticism. The feminine is actually speaking her need and telling me what it will provide her with. And my healthy masculine loves to fix, loves to problem solve. 
And she's just laid it out for me in terms of what I can do. Oh, wait, I'm not being attacked. I'm being called forward. I'm, I'm, I'm being asked to go on a mission. And the masculine can hear that a lot better. Mm. Yeah. Well, let's give him one more thing before we wrap up for today. And again, you're all invited to join us on April 22nd. We're going to dive deeper into this. And if you have topics that you'd like us to explore on the podcast, just send me a DM on Instagram, uh, topics related to relationship that you'd like my favorite guest and I to talk (laughs) about. But I'd like to leave you all with, and maybe we've talked about this on the show before. I can't remember. Can I give a plug to something for a moment? Sure. At Sacred Union Couples on the gram. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So we uh, we have- a, We put a lot of stuff on, oh, not a lot, but we put some things yeah, up we there. Yeah, we're going to be more active on yes. it. We took a little pause, but we're going to be more active on it. So Sacred Union Couples on Instagram. Yeah, D- follow us and DM. Actually, I take back what I said earlier, everyone. <laughs> this is me being in my feminine. I'm changing my mind. Do not DM me because I get a lot of DMs. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover about relationships and love and sacred union, follow us on Sacred Union Couples and DM us there because we'll be able to manage it and track it and it won't get lost in our flood of DMs. And if you've ever DM me and I haven't responded, I'm I'm really, I apologize. Um, Sometimes I get quite a few in the day. So as I was saying, we have talked about this before, but I think it's such a, such a valuable tip and it's been huge for us in our relationship, especially for me who does not like conflict, is we have argument agreements. You want to share a little bit about what that is? Yeah. So an argument agreement or a conflict agreement or- Fighting e- rules. Fighting rules, even conversation agreements, how you want to converse over difficult topics and, and challenging topics are preset agreements that you create when you're in a connected, intimate place. That means when you're not arguing, when you're not angry at each other, when you're not charged, when you're not feeling unsafe, you're in a safe place and you're expressing, hey, this is how I would like to communicate over difficult matters, such as finances, such as your mother-in-law, such as our future plans, such as our sexuality, whatever it may be, right? And so you have these agreements in place with When it gets intense, this is how you behave. Mm -hmm. And we have very specific tools uh, and techniques to help with this from a physiological and psychological perspective, many of which come from the Gottman Institute. John Gottman and his wife are amazing, amazing human beings. The Institute is an amazing institute. Mm -hmm. And we've definitely learned a lot from that place as well. But these agreements that you can put in place help you navigate conflict a lot better but more importantly, what they what they do is they they stop you from collecting evidence against mm-hmm. each other and they avoid something called the four horsemen. Right, right. And we're gonna talk more about that in the relationship yeah, retreat in June. But I, I have found me the conflict avoider. Like Steph will run into conflict. I'll do whatever I can to avoid it. I don't like it. My nervous system goes it's not great. It's conflicts hard for empaths and HSPs. And P.S. I have an expert on being a highly sensitive person coming on the show soon, depending on her schedule. So stay tuned for that. But at, you know, all of you who feel me on this one, conflict is like, ah, I'd rather go to the dentist. So having these argument agreements is really important because if there's certain things that really upset you in an argument, like you hate it when someone slams a door or leaves without telling you they're going to come back, or brings up stuff from the past, or calls you names. 
what we've done is after an argument, we always dissect an argument. We always um, learn from it. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Well, yes, definitely. You take yeah. inventory of who you've been, how you've been, how you've shown up, how you felt the other person sh- showed up as well. We give each other feedback. We do. And then we form some agreements around them. Yeah. And there's a process for that, again, that we share in the, in the couple's in the retreat. retreat. Yeah. But just for now, maybe think about, you know, when you're in a good place with your partner, when you're not arguing, sit down and say, hey, I'd really like to come up with some argument agreements so that we're clear on like what's okay and what's not cool to do in an argument. Arguments are bad enough, um, but they're not necessarily bad. John Gottman they're talks about- They're intense Yeah, they're intense enough. Mm. John Gottman talks about how- the key to a healthy relationship isn't how much you argue, it's how quickly you can repair the argument. So you want to be able to repair more quickly, not be in the argument for hours or days or, you know, we know couples that have been in an argument for months and it hasn't been resolved. So having these kind of agreements- Years. Yeah. Having these kind of agreements really helps you, one, not be so scared of conflict because you know, all right, there's no slamming of doors or there's no name calling. And and it also helps the argument- get to where it needs to go quicker. Because if you're in an argument and you're slamming doors or yelling too loudly or leaving and not coming back or calling names, you're just extending the argument and you're not getting to the meat of what you actually need to resolve Yeah, because you're just triggering each other and, and quite frankly, acting childish because that's what's really happening inside. So we'll, we'll talk more about this in the retreat, but we just wanted- from a wounded place. Yeah, for sure. We just wanted to give you that tip to- uh, support you in, in repairing conflict more quickly. Any parting words? You brilliant, amazing, incredibly insightful, loving, hot man. <laughs> uh, I often I often am asked that question from from various perspectives, particularly that exact question with all those adjectives. No, <laughs> but the, the parting wisdom piece in in various forms um, on other podcasts where I'm not the most favorite guest <laughs> um, and, and other interviews. And often I say willingness. Mm-hmm. I'm just a big, big fan of that word and what it represents and how I perceive that word is, is be willing not to be a punching bag but be willing to own your own stuff, to look at your own process and your own role in the relationship, to be willing to go um, to the places that are really uncomfortable, to the places that you fear, be willing to celebrate yourself, be willing to celebrate your partner and be willing to be understanding mm-hmm. and empathetic of them. And I just feel very strongly about that word willingness and what that word does when it's put to action in relationship. And you're really good at that, babe. You really are willing. Um, we both can have our stubborn moments. And mm-hmm. I think what keeps our relationship growing and healthy and connected as we really both are willing to, to look agree. at our stuff and to be patient with each other when yeah. we're, you know, when we're driving each other yeah. bonkers. It, it, it's being willing to not go into shame spirals. It's being willing to, you know, that ownership and responsibility piece yeah. is very important. It's huge. Yeah. So we'll be sharing a lot more on the 22nd, of course. That's just a $20 workshop, uh, a quickie one. And then the more extended version will be in June, probably either the second or third weekend of June. Always these things are recorded if you can't make it live, so no problemo if you can't make it live. Just go to christinehasser.com slash relationship support. And then also if you want our free sacred union process where we guide you through, Mm -hmm. it's a great couples exercise. You can actually do it on your own too because you are your own beloved. 
You can grab that for free at christinehatzer.com slash sacred union. Parting words. I love you, darling. I love you too. And I love all of you who are listening. Of course. I love you all too. Thanks for being my favorite guest. Mm -hmm.